Our first scripture reading is the 30th Psalm. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, his favor for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. But your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my depth if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me in joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Amen. Our second scripture reading is found in Mark chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 40 through 45 in Mark chapter 1. A leper came to Jesus, begging him and kneeling. He said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose. Be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But the man went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. AT&T was known for the reach out and touch commercials back in the late 70s, early 80s. Commercials where the lonely little brother sitting on the stoop of the front of the house hears that big brother who is off at college is on the phone. And so mom calls him in and he goes in and mom hands him the phone and he hears his brother's voice. Or where a family makes new friends on vacation and they say, let's keep in touch. And so when they get home, they pick up the phone and call to keep in touch. Of course, all of this was before the cell phone age and cordless phones. There is a need in our world to be reached out to and to be touched. Sherry, I've got the lyrics this morning from a song back from 1970. You said, you, who said it? Did you? Oh my, Diana Ross, she knew it. Sherry is amazing. Sherry is amazing. Diana Ross sang, reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place if you can. Take a little time out of your busy day to give encouragement to someone who's lost the way. Just try. 
Or would I be talking to a stone if I ask you to share a problem that's not your own? We can change things if we start giving. Why don't you reach out and touch somebody's hand, make this world a better place if you can. If you see an old friend on the street and he's down, remember his shoes could fit your feet. Just try a little kindness, you'll see it's something. Yes, it's something. Reaching out, concerning ourselves with others, it's something. And it may be that it's something that's lost in our society today. In preparation for the sermon today, I was watching an episode of Gunsmoke. Well, actually, I was watching Gunsmoke, and something in the episode became part of the sermon. There in the saloon, there's a man sitting at a table reading a newspaper, and Festus is standing over uh, near him. And the man reading the paper says, Oh, Festus, the world's in a terrible state, Festus. Terrible state. Indian wars up north. Indian wars in the southwest. Robberies, killings, all sorts of terrible things. Festus says, Just makes a feller glad he can't read. Man says, glad? Festus says, there you are, reading that old newspaper. And all you're doing is taking on all the problems and troubles of somebody else. And you still got your own to fret on. Well, I'll tell you, I'm glad I can't read. I'm just glad. Man says, I see what you mean. Festus says, of course you do. You ever feel like Festus? watching the news, reading the paper, and all you're doing is taking on the problems and troubles of somebody else. And you've still got your own to fret on. And there certainly is enough trouble in the world to take on. And at some point it becomes easy to ask, does anybody really care anymore? Is anybody really concerned about someone else's plight anymore? Constant partisan bickering in Congress would lead us to believe that politicians don't really care anymore. I saw a news story this week about the amount of time people spend with their personal electronics. The video showed people walking down a busy street, not in conversation with others, but enthralled with their cell phones. Our world is more impersonal than ever. Instead of asking a friend if we don't know something, well, we've got Google or Siri or Alexa at our fingertips. What in the world is going on in our society? And of course, even as I'm asking myself what is going on with this world, I would be remiss if I did not take an honest look and ask, what in the world is going on with me? How much am I part of the problem that I describe? Do I really care? Do you really care? You know, it's, it's easy to do lip service and say, of course we care. I mean, we give out school supplies and give toys to children. We have a whole list of ministries that our church is involved with. Yes, we 
care. But do we really? Beyond the superficial, beyond the lip service and the Sunday school answer, beneath the surface, do we care? I'll admit that's not a very fun question to ask, especially if we are sincere. Because asking that question in a sincere way without looking for the pat answer may lead us to some uncomfortable conclusions. Am I more concerned about my pride than someone else's feelings? Am I more concerned about saving face than treating someone else with dignity? Am I so consumed with my own identity and well-being that I really don't care about others? If we are willing to be honest with ourselves, we will answer yes to some of those questions some of the time. And of course, some of us answer yes more often than others. And as a believer... If that is where I am in my Christian walk today, if that is the way I would describe myself at this moment, what is the answer for me? Is it possible for me to regain my focus to get back on track, if you will? This feeling, of course, is not unique to you or me and our generation. We read the psalmist pleading with God in our reading this morning, Maxine, from the message, God, my God, I yelled for help, and you put me together. God, you pulled me out of the grave, gave me another chance at life when I was down and out. The psalmist cries to God, and God delivers. Is there a delivery for us when we feel that caring has slipped away from us? I submit to you this morning that it is indeed possible to find our way again. And the answer is where we always find answers, and that is looking to the life of the one whom we profess to follow, looking to Jesus. In our passage from Mark, Jesus and his early followers were traveling throughout Galilee proclaiming the message of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is approached by a man with leprosy. You've heard the story before. I've preached on it. We've talked about it. To have leprosy meant that this man would have been removed from his family. He would have been removed from society. He would be quarantined into, quarantined into a colony with others like him. In short, Nobody cared about him anymore. Nobody cared. But then comes Jesus. The man cries out to him, You! You can make me clean if you want to. You can do it. And what do we have from Jesus? What we have is compassion. Not judgment as in, what have you done to cause this to happen to you? Not reprimand as in, stop embarrassing yourself on your knees in front of me and for that matter, keep your distance. 
not demand as in, what are you going to do with your life if I heal you? Nor do we have any of the countless other responses that might have been common both then and now. No, Jesus feels compassion. But it didn't stop there. You see, Jesus could have healed him simply with a spoken word from a distance. Healed, done. Thank you. Jesus could have healed him simply with a thought from a distance. Healed, done. Jesus could have healed him with a gesture from a distance. You're healed. Done. But instead... He reached out and touched him. I do choose. I do choose to be compassionate towards you. Be made clean. This man needed someone to show him he was worthy. He needed someone to show that he still had value and dignity. And so Jesus touched him. Probably the first time that anybody had touched him in quite some time. He had not felt the human touch. Folks, there is an intimacy to touch that sometimes we take for granted. There are few things as profound, loving, and healing as human touch Maybe you've heard someone say, maybe you said it, I just need a hug. Sometimes people need human touch. Not a text, not a Facebook post, not an email, but a genuine, caring, compassionate touch. And so I say to you this morning the same thing that I say to myself. If you're finding that it's quite possible that you've fallen into the pattern that we see all around us, that pattern of unconcern, that feeling of self-preservation at the expense of someone else's feelings or disposition, that mindset that brushes others aside in favor of personal pride, maybe it's time to stop and remind ourselves of the one we follow, who when seeing another in pain and need, was genuinely moved with compassion, was willing to reach out and touch one who put personal comfort and pride aside. In social psychology, we talk about attitudes and actions. It's really fun to talk about this in class where I ask, do our attitudes sometimes guide our actions? Certainly, if we believe something, then we're likely to act on what we believe. Our actions can certainly follow from our beliefs. But the fascinating thing is that in many cases, our actions guide our attitudes. We come to believe in something that we are doing. And this can be even more powerful. Think about first-time parents bringing that first baby home. They don't think like parents but they've got to be parents. You must start parenting. And so after parenting for a while, then they take on the role of parent. Then 
they start thinking like parents. Same thing can be said for being married. Okay, A couple that's just getting married, they don't think like a married couple until they've been married and now they start thinking that way. Someone who joins the military, some undisciplined person maybe that joins the military and has to act the way they want them to in the military, they start then thinking like a soldier. Our actions most certainly can guide our attitudes. And so might the same thing be said for reaching out and showing compassion. If we find that our compassion meter is running low, maybe we might follow the example of Jesus who did not hesitate to reach out and touch. And that just might lead to an attitude adjustment. With all due respect to Festus, the one we follow chose over and over to take on the problems and troubles of somebody else. Maybe the best way to have an attitude of compassion is to show it, reach out, and touch.